uh, open up the word without first talking about the world. Isn't that great? Isn't that cross of the world? So uh, the people I want to talk about today that suffer more than you and I have ever understood are in a little country right in the center of Western Africa. Anybody know what little country is right in almost the center of the continent? It's a small little country. Uh, it's got about 20, 25 million people. Anybody know what that country is? Uh, some people actually call it the poorest country in the world. Yep. And that country's uh, uh, Niger, Niger, N-I-G-E-R, about 25 million people. On many lists, it's listed as the poorest country in the world. Uh, I, I saw one quote just today that I read about their country. Can you imagine having this quote said about you where you live? This is the quote that said, most people barely survive. How would you like to live in a country of 25 million and the way you're described is most people barely survive? Wow. 90% African, 10% Arab, uh, and less than a tenth of a percent are believers. There are many unreached people groups in that country. The Zarma Sangya people, 6 to 7 million. The Hossa, 8 million. The Toreg, 2 million. There's such a need for the gospel. But I read some stuff about Niger that's really amazing. They said the Holy Spirit is on the move. Yes, and they said within the last five to ten years, almost every people group now has some Christians and that churches were being planted and growing all over that impoverished country. So hallelujah, amen? So even though there's poverty and great need, God is doing a work in Niger. Okay, so maybe... Um, amen. So does move. So maybe somebody would pray for Niger before we open up the word of Jesus. Who would pray for Niger? Hey, start with the children so oh they aren't really children the the how about young ones so young ones get to come forward Jonathan he's the youngest yes he would be wouldn't he you are right Jonathan so we'll start with Jonathan and uh, they say to me uh, what do we what do we got here a baby ball you're right and uh, my family sometimes says you're not bringing the baby ball again are you yeah, I got the baby bottle, but I will give you some good news. I am not going to suck on it. And, uh, you know, as Candace will be the first to say and others, a baby bottle can be a good thing, can it? Amen? So it often has what in it? Milk. And milk and a baby bottle can be good. I'm actually read you a scripture about milk and a bottle, so to speak. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Put aside all your hate and your guile, and your hypocrisy, and your envy, and your slander, and like a newborn baby, long for the milk of the word, that by you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord, amen? So, not the milk in this bottle, but the milk of God's word, I can actually experience blessing, and grace, and I can grow strong as a believer, right? But, although milk can be really, really good, so a can a bottle be good? Yes. Can milk be good? Yes. But it also can be bad. How can milk be bad? That's kind of weird, isn't it? So I'm going to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians 3 that's going to tell us how milk can be bad. Here's how milk can be bad. Brothers and sisters, I can't speak to you. This is Paul. He's talking to a whole church. Listen to what he says to this church. I can't speak to you, church, as people of the Holy Spirit. You're people controlled by your flesh. You're still a baby, a baby in Christ. You're still on the what? Bottle. I gave you milk to drink. I couldn't give you meat. I couldn't give you any solid food because you couldn't receive what? The meat. 
And even now, you're still a what? A baby, and I still can't feed you God's meat because you are still on the what? Bottle. Is that a good? You know, a bottle's a good thing, isn't it? And milk's a good thing. Amen? But you know what? Shay here, if I went over here and jammed this bottle in his mouth, it wouldn't be very pretty, would it? He'd probably punch me. But the point is, he's supposed to what? Grow up. He's supposed to grow up. And he's supposed to grow from the milk to what? To the meat. He's supposed to get to the solid food. He's supposed to get to the solid food, and he's supposed to grow up into that solid, solid food. Babies grow up, and they begin to eat what? Solid food. Now, Tim Keller, who is a respected pastor, and I don't have to say what Tim Keller says, but it is amazing to think that one of the leading pastors in America who's highly respected would say, almost all Christians never grow up. That's a, that's a, wow. So here's one of the leading pastors in our country saying that most Christians in America never get off the what? The bottle. Now, that ain't good, is it? And what I want to encourage you with is you don't have to stay on the bottle because God wants you to do what? Can you say, I'm going to grow up? I'm going to grow up. God wants to get you from milk to meat to solid food. He wants to grow you up so that Tim Keller won't be able to look at me or you and say, wow, you're still a baby Christian, you know? You know, one of the reasons most churches stay as baby Christians, and I'll say that, it's time for a convicting word for Pastor Brian. Because most pastors don't ever grow up. And you can't lead somebody to a place that you're not. And if the pastors don't grow up, the what? People can't grow up. They're not going to grow past where the pastor is. And so if you've got pastors who are still on the what? Bottle. Then the people are going to stay on the bottle. Let me tell you what, in these last days, God didn't want this anymore. It's time to what? It is time to grow up. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's this sermon today. We're going to talk about it's time to grow up. Press on to maturity. How do you go from milk to meat? And I'm going to be your PR man today. I'm going to be your PR man. I'm going to give you five PRs, your PR man. And I'm going to give you five PRs to help teach you how you can go from milk to meat so that everyone in this room can say, I will not. I hope you really mean that in your heart. I will not stay as a baby. No, no. Can you say that and mean it? Amen. I'm going to grow up in Jesus. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to go from milk to meat. How can Paul tell a whole church, I still can't feed you meat, and you're still not able, and you're still all on the bottle. I cannot give you meat. Can you imagine a pastor saying that? I can't give you, I still can't give you meat, he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, because you're still on the bottle. We can't stay like that. Amen we got to grow up. It's time to what? Grow up. So let me pray. Father, it is. I hear that word in my heart over and over. You can tell me that personally. Pastor Brian, it's time to grow up. And Lord, I hear it in my own spirit, much less everyone in this room. So Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus for you to speak to our heart and mind in great ways today and give us practical instruction. Help us learn how to grow up so we don't stay on that bottle. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can't stay on that bottle. No siree. No siree, no siree. You know what? And it really is true. You'll hear people even say it's more true today than in the past. One of the phrases I hear people say all the time is, um, it's hard to grow up. You ever heard somebody say that? And sometimes people even talk about kids today and they'll say that this particular generation and culture in America is the hardest that it's ever been to grow up. And so they'll, they'll say phrases and they really mean it. They'll say, it's hard to grow up. And you know what? That's so true spiritually. Do you know that? It's hard to grow up in the Spirit, in Jesus. It is. I'll tell you that before we even start. So I'll tell you right off the bat, it's very, very hard to grow up. You know, Tim Keller says, why do most people remain babies? Because it's hard not to. So right off the bat, uh, we know it's hard to grow up, but I want to encourage you. Your Father in Heaven wants you to grow up. Is that good news? Yes. Jesus wants you to what? 
grow up. Is that good news? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit want you to grow up? Yes. And will not God, the Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, grow you up if you really want to? Might be hard, but He'll do it. So I'm encouraged that God really wants to grow us up, and He is going to help that happen. It is hard, and we're going to see why. And that's why I'm going to call this sermon, It's PR Time. It's time to grow up, press on to maturity. How do you go from milk to meat? I'm going to give you five PRs. Five PRs to help you grow up into solid food. We're going to look at those five to learn how to grow up. And I want to encourage you that your Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are radically committed to growing you up. That really encourages me that God is more committed to me growing up than Pastor Brian is. Yeah, and so that really encourages me that my Father wants me to grow up and my Shepherd wants me to grow up and the Holy Spirit wants to and that the Almighty God of the universe is at work to grow me. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that actually encourages me. So we're going to look at these five. Let's read again. Hebrews, if you have a Bible, if you don't, just listen. Just listen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. In the past, most people didn't, weren't even oral societies. So they learned how to what? Listen. Because they often were not reading the Bible, they were learning how to listen. So it's fine just to listen. It's from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 1. Concerning Jesus, we have much to say to you, but it's hard. It's hard to explain it because you have become dull of hearing. (laughs) You can't hear. By now, you should be teaching other people, but you need for somebody to teach you the baby stuff, the elementary principles of the Word of God. You need milk. You need milk, not the solid food. For everyone who drinks only the milk is not accustomed to the word because he's a baby. She's a baby. Solid food is for who? The mature who've grown up, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, let's leave the elementary teaching about the Christ and let us press on to maturity. Okay, PR number one. PR number one, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, press on to maturity. Can you say press on? Press on. Press on to maturity. Like I told you in the past, that is actually an Olympic word. That word press on, that's like an Olympic word describing an athlete who wants a gold medal. Now, do you think that athlete has to press on to get on that stand and wear that gold medal? Do you think it comes easy? No, if you want that gold medal, you got to train for it, you got to practice for it, you got to work for it, you got to get up early and label for it, you got to want it, you got to think about it, you got to plan for it, and you got to work your tail off. It does not come easy. This is an Olympic word that entails a Herculean effort. So, do you see why most people don't grow up as Christians? What do you say there? Press on to maturity. You can't grow up without what? Pressing on. So you're going to have to press on or you'll stay on the what? The bottle. It's not easy to grow up. Listen to how Paul described himself with this word, with how important it was. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 23. Listen to these words where he describes this pressing on. He says, I do everything I do, isn't that amazing? For the sake of the gospel, so that I can also be a partaker. Did you hear him say that? Not for Kristen or not for Philip or not for Bob. He says, I'm doing this so that I can take hold of it. And how does he describe that? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? You have to run in the right way if you want to what? Win. Everyone who competes in the Olympic Games exercises control in everything. They're doing this to receive a perishable wreath, a gold medal that's going to go away. But we're going for the imperishable gold. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I've preached to everybody else in the end, I myself would be disqualified. Wow. You think Paul's taking this serious? Pressing on to maturity. 
He's taking it real serious about pressing on to maturity. Three uses of that word in the Bible. The one we had right now, press on to know the Lord. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3, press on to know the Lord. This one was press on to maturity. And my favorite, Philippians chapter 3, press on for the prize. Listen to how Paul describes that one. Philippians chapter 3, he says, I'm pressing on to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death on the cross so that I can obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or already become perfect, but I'm what? Pressing on so that I can lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of me for. Brothers, sisters, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm straining to what lies ahead. I'm pressing on, pressing on, pressing on for my prize of the goal of the high call in Christ Jesus. Do you feel the power of that pressing on? That's the word. Why do most Christians never grow up? They're not pressing on. They're not pressing on booty. We got to press on booty. You know, cousin, <laughs> she's my cousin. We got to press on. You know, if you want to grow up, you've got to really, really press on to maturity. You've got to press on to maturity, press on to know the Lord, press on for the prize. You've got to really, really press on, or you're never going to grow up. It's a serious thing, isn't it? We got to be really, really serious. To that. Let me tell you what. Our adversary, the devil, Peter says, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I'll tell you what, babies don't do well when the lion goes hunting. Yeah. Babies don't do well. When your invisible adversary, the devil, in his supernatural power, goes out as a lion. What does Peter say? Seeking whom he may devour. He goes for the babies. They're easy to eat up. It's dangerous to be a baby. It's time to what? It's time to grow up. Don't be a baby. It's dangerous. Our God loves us. And I believe this in my own heart, so I hope you believe it in your heart. I believe, I've been talking to my Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. My God will grow me up. Can you say that out loud? My God will grow me up. Believe it. Believe that it's for you. That God says, say it out loud and believe that your God is going to grow you up. Word number two, chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it's another PR word. Not press on, but practice. Can you say practice? practice? Listen to verse 13 and 14. This is one of the most important concepts in the Bible that's not taught very well. Verse 13 and 14. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to God's word. Baby, baby, baby. Verse 14. Solid food is only for the mature who because of what? practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil you've got to learn to what practice the word i cannot tell you how important this is it's not enough to learn the word it's not enough to be excited about the word there has to be a supernatural work of the holy spirit where you are putting it into what Practice. You have to practice the Word. I used to make this mistake so often. I've been a pastor in so many uh, states and different places. I used to think that if I could teach my people the Bible and teach my people theology and teach my people how to think, that they would what? Grow up. I used to think that if they knew their Bibles and if they knew their theology and if they knew how to what? Think that that meant they would be strong Christians. And I had to learn the hard way that it wasn't the case. And I became so surprised that as people learned their Bibles and knew it really well and knew theology inside and out and knew how to think and logically think, they weren't growing. And I, I asked the Lord, I said, what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, why aren't they growing up? Because it's not enough to learn it intellectually. You've got to begin to what? 
practice it. Do you know that a baby Christian where God is teaching them something and they're taking what the Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit is teaching them and they're beginning to practice it is going to be stronger than the Christian that knows the Bible inside and out and knows their theology and can think and argue under the table. It's not doing them any good because they're not what? Practicing it. I know so many Christians that know so much Bible, so much theology, and they're great thinkers, but they're not what? Living it. Look at Zacchaeus when he first became a Christian after Jesus brought him to faith. You know the first thing it says about Zacchaeus when he became a believer? I'm going to give away half of all my money to poor people and every person I've defrauded, I'm going to pay back four times the amount that I defrauded them. That man was putting it into practice. The Holy Spirit was taking the truth, and it was coming alive in his spirit, and he was beginning to supernaturally live it. He was what? Practicing it. I cannot emphasize to you how important it is to learn how to practice the Word. See, the Word of God does not get into your soul through the intellect or through the emotion. The Word of God gets into your soul through what? Practicing it. And it's a supernatural work, pardon my mouth, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that enables that to happen. That's why I said in America, so many of our evangelical churches are either intellectual or emotional. They're intellectual. In your intellectual church, they love the law, but they don't know the law of love. They love to study their Bible, learn their Bible, study their theology, love their theology, but they haven't learned to what? To live it, to practice it. In your emotional churches, they love experience, but they haven't experienced love. And they're there for an experience, but the word is not getting into their soul. There are many people that have the Bible up here, the mind, or in the feelings here, but not in the soul. That's where the Holy Spirit makes it not intellectual, not emotional, but transformational. And you begin to experience a supernatural power. And you begin to live it. And as you begin to live it, what happens? You begin to grow up. You begin to grow up. It must be supernatural. You know what they ought to do? You ought to do this, Laura. You'd really get a kick. People would think you're crazy. Every time you have a Bible study in a church, and it doesn't matter where it is, you ought to put a giant sign in huge letters that says, Bible study, danger zone. You think they get people's attention? Danger zone. You've just entered a very dangerous place. Because if you're studying this Bible and learning it intellectually, biblically, and theologically, and if you're not living it, it will actually dull your hearing and make your heart hard. Your heart hard. Do you see that? That's what he says here. That's what happened to them in Hebrews. Chapter 5, the first verse. Concerning Jesus, we have much to say and teach you, but we can't. It's hard to tell you because you've become what? Dull of hearing. Your heart has become dull and hard and you can't receive the truth. Bible study, danger zone. Because the key is I've got to put it into what? Practice. I've got to learn to put it into practice. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. He's talking to the Philippians. The things you've heard from me, learned from me, seen in me, and received from me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It'd be better to have just one or two little pieces of food from God's Word. You know, the Holy Spirit's convicting me, and that if I can just take that one or two things and by the Spirit do it, I'm going to what? Grow. I used to think if I just knew my Bible and knew my theology... And I realized, no, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are trying to deal with Pastor Brian. And there's certain things in my life that he's saying, I want to change this in you. I want you to be a doer. And I want to take that word and make it alive in you so that you can step and grow. And I used to think, I said, oh, Lord, I don't need to do that. I just need to know my Bible and know my theology. And I didn't realize that the Lord's trying to teach me to, to do it, to practice it, to be a practicer of that word. If you don't think this is important, listen to 2 Peter 1 where he really emphasizes this, verses 3 through 11. Seeing that God's divine power has given you every single thing you need. 
How's that? For life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Jesus who called us by his glory and excellence, by these God has given us all his precious and priceless magnificent promises that by his promises you'll be a partaker of the divine nature and will escape all the corruption that's in this world by lust. For this reason, be what? Diligent, that's that pressing on, in your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, in your knowledge control, in your control perseverance, in your perseverance godliness, in your godliness brotherly kindness, in your kindness love. If, what a big if, if these qualities are yours, and they're increasing, then you won't be useless or unfruitful, but you'll have the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you lack these qualities, you're blind, you're short-sighted, you forgot your purification from your former sins. Therefore, sisters, brothers, be very diligent to make certain about God calling and choosing you. As long as, uh, listen to how powerful this is. So powerful right here. As long as you're practicing these things. Wow. I'll say it again. Verse 10. As long as you're practicing these things, you won't stumble. This is the only way entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord in Jesus Christ is abundantly supplied for you. Wow. Did you hear that? Only way. Doing what? Practicing. Wow, how important is practicing. Wow, wow, wow. You see why a lot of people don't grow up? PR number one, you got to be what? Pressing on. PR number two, you got to be what? Practicing. Practicing. Let me just give you an example of an unhealthy church, and I'm not even going to tell you the name of the church. I used to, uh, I'll tell you what, it was not in this state, so how's that encouraging? I will give you enough of, of a hint. For those of you who like history, it was in New England. And in many ways, this would have been considered a good church. In fact, most people said it was one of the best churches north of Boston. I'm really narrowing it down for you. And on a particular Sunday, sometimes we'd have as many as 500 people attending church on Sunday, which in New England is unbelievable. Now, when you get to the Bible studies, it would reduce a lot. Instead of 500, you get what? About 100. Nobody come to the prayer meetings. So instead of having them once a week, they shifted to once a month. And you know how many would show up? Six or seven. 500 at worship, 100 at Bible study, time for prayer meeting, and what? Six or seven. Something is wrong. And that leads to PR number three. You know what PR number three is? Prayer. It's all about prayer practice. I've got to press on to grow up. I've got to press on by doing what with the truth? Practicing it. But the only way you can ever learn to practice the Word of God is if you're a prayer practicer. It's prayer that unlocks the practice of the Word of God in your life. It's not just practice, but it's what? Prayer practice. Hebrews 4, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession and not give up because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us, but we have a Jesus who's been tempted in everything like us, but he perfect without sin. Therefore, let's pray. Let's draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace for well-timed help as we what? Pray. Why do you think Jesus said, my house will be called a house of what? Prayer. And he wants to take baby Christians and right at the beginning teach them how to what? Pray. You know why that's so important? You know why? Baby Christians, one of the first things they ever need to learn to do is what? Pray. Luke 11 verse 1, the disciples came up to Jesus. They could see in Jesus the practice, couldn't they? And so what do you think they said to Jesus? Jesus, make me a great preacher. No. Jesus, do this, do that. No, Jesus, teach me to what? Pray. Luke 11, 1. Jesus, teach me to pray. I want to be in your house of prayer. I want to be in your school of prayer. I want to learn to pray because if I'm not a prayer warrior, my study of the Bible is not going to help me. But what? Hurt me. We've created churches full of people who are Bible students who don't know how to what? Pray. Pray unlocks the practice. You'd be better off not studying your Bible and your theology until you learn how to what? Pray. 
Because once you learn how to pray, then you can what? Practice. And once you learn how to practice, you can then what? Press on. Then you what? Grow up. You see it? I've got to press on to grow up, right? I can't grow up if I'm not what? Practicing it. But I can't practice it unless I learn how to what? Pray. You've got to learn how to pray. We've created churches full of people that know their Bible, but they've never been taught to pray. Do you know how destructive that is? They haven't learned to pray. That's why this is so important. The Word of God will dull your hearing and harden your heart if you're not practicing it. And you can't practice it unless you've learned how to what? Pray. It's so important to get alone with God in the prayer closet. Like in Exodus 33 when Moses would get in the tent of meeting. I'm going to the tent of meeting. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to listen to the voice of God. And I'm going to learn to love God. And as I learn to pray, that word slowly begins to soak where? Into my heart. It's getting in, Jesus. (laughs) It's getting in me finally. Because I'm learning, I've learned that so much more. I've grown up more in the last years. In fact, I'll actually start with that. Why don't I? It's not a good idea. Uh, I mean, it is a good idea. Um, when I first met Pastor Bill in 2013, six years ago, I've known him six and a half years now, um, I was in about the second or third grade in Jesus' school of prayer. And that's okay, so I'm a pastor. And what grade am I in? Second or third. Yeah, most pastors might not be out of kindergarten yet. They ain't learned how to pray yet. Pastor Bill knows how to pray. And so that's why God gave me a prayer mentor, so he could help, God could use him to help teach me how to pray. Wonderful Afro-American pastor down Six Forks, Bethlehem Baptist. Go there when you get a chance. Yeah, I've known him six and a half years, and I really believe this. I've actually talked to God. I talk to God all the time because I've learned to pray. And God has spoken to my heart and says, Pastor Brian, you're in about seventh or eighth grade now. I'm glad. So I've, I've grown a little bit. I've gone from a third grader to maybe seventh or eighth grade. And I should be higher than that, shouldn't I, if I'm a pastor, seventh or eighth grade. I mean, I'm still in, well, junior high, junior high school. Yeah. We call ourselves Koinonia House of Prayer, and I'll tell you flat out, we are immature. I want you to say it out loud. We are immature. We are immature. We are. We're immature. And I'll say it for you. I am immature. I'm growing, and that excites me. I'm not in second or third grade anymore. I made it up to eighth, (laughs) seventh or eighth. But we've got to grow up. Now, I'll say it again. It's time what? It's time to grow up. You know, the Holy Spirit of prayer. I just am talking to him all the time. I go, Holy Spirit of prayer, you're a prayer fire. And I won't be quiet. Burn a fire in my soul. Burn, Holy Spirit, burn. Make me a prayer warrior in Jesus' house of prayer. Burn. Teach me how to pray. Please. Burn! Spirit of prayer. We gotta grow up. We gotta learn to pray. You gotta learn to pray. If you don't learn to pray, you're not gonna be able to practice. You don't know how to practice, you're not gonna be able to press on. You ain't gonna ever grow up. Gotta learn to pray. It's about prayer practice. Listen to my three heroes. My three heroes. Isn't it good to have heroes? I got heroes. Jack Miller, he's in the presence of the Lord. Oh, what a great hero. Listen to what he said trying to teach pastors how to plant churches. Make the whole ministry of everything you do in that whole church center on private and corporate prayer. Don't ever expect bigger victories in tough areas until corporate prayer becomes the complete center of every single thing you do. The reason? It is in prayer together that we find grace to give up our control to the Father and to learn how to rely exclusively on the Holy Spirit and to see demons subdued. It's here we get all our life, vigor, zest, and authority for the battle on the battlefield. Hero. He's my hero. That's Jack. Yes. That's Jack Miller. He went up there in the seminary. They had revival. Found out that all their professors and half the students in an evangelical seminary had not even been born again. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. Jim Cimbala up in New York. Pastor uh, Joel and I have been there. You know what it's like to actually go to a church in the middle of the week and have to wait outside for two hours to get in to pray? Oh my goodness. I know. We had to wait for two hours. 
<laughs> to get into church <laughs> to pray. That's because that's how Jim Cimbala built this church. He's one of my heroes. What does it say about our churches today that God birthed the church in a prayer meeting and prayer meetings were almost extinct? In the community where you live, this is a good question. I don't know if I could even answer this. I don't think I could come up with one in all of Raleigh. Listen to what he said. In the community where you live, what church do you know in that community that takes a prominent night of the week with all the leaders present and says that because prayer is so great and so central to Jesus' definition of a church, all we're going to do is concentrate on prayer. Wow. Hero. <laughs> An old hero, Charles Spurgeon. The condition of a church can be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So the prayer meeting is the grace-ometer. <laughs> From it, we can judge the amount of divine working among a people. If God's near a church, it must pray. If he's not there, one of the first tokens of God's absence will be slothfulness in prayer. Prayer is the very breath of faith, and prayer meetings are the lungs of the church. 600 for Sunday morning worship, north of Boston. I was an associate pastor there, so shame on you. 600 for morning worship, 100 for Bible study, hallelujah. Prayer meeting, because so few come, we'll only meet once a month. Six, Spurgeon's definition, you can measure what God's doing in a church. What is the graceometer? Prayer meeting. That church looked good, didn't it? New building. Impressive. Impressive from the outside? Yep. Impressive on Sunday morning? Yep. Impressive for their Bible study fellowship? Yep. Nobody at prayer. Something's not right. PR number one, press on to know the Lord. PR number two, practice these things. PR number three, prayer practice. You know, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is still a now word for today. I love that. If you want to know what God wants to do in a church, one verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who? The world? Unbelievers? All the bad folks out there? If who? My people, who are called by my name, four things, will humble themselves, pray, Seek my face and turn from their sin. Then I will. Then God will. Humble people, praying people, seeking people, repentant people. Notice what the contrast is. Prideful people, prayerless people, lukewarm people, unrepentant people. Is the church today prideful, prayerless, lukewarm, and unrepentant? Or is it humble, praying, white-hot seeking, and quick to repent? You know the number one place you can find that? The prayer meeting. I'll show it. Because when the Holy Spirit's stirring, he's stirring people to what? To pray. To pray. To pray. And Angela actually is going to give me eight minutes to finish because it's just too important. PR number four. Because these go together, and if you don't do them together, it won't work. You want what? Grow up. PR number four, the priceless prize. PR number, so PR number one, press on to maturity. PR number two, practice, practice, practice. PR number three, prayer, prayer practice. PR number four, the priceless prize. What do you think the priceless prize is? Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. To be born of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit in fullness of the Holy Spirit. To be born of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, fullness of the Holy Spirit. And don't grieve, quench, and resist Him. Oh, how we need what? The Holy Spirit. Do you love the Holy Spirit? He's a person. 
He's not a power you control. He's a person who wants to control you. And the Holy Spirit wants 100% control so He can fill you and teach you how to walk in Him, live in Him, be led by Him, and be full of Him, and know His presence and His power in all kinds of supernatural ways in your life. People are so scared of the Holy Spirit today. And I know there's some excesses. I don't discount that. But I tell you what, I'd rather have excesses where the Holy Spirit's doing awesome work than where Ichabod, the glory of the Lord, has departed. You know, I love world missions, and I do a ton of study on world missions, as you can tell. How else would I know that there are 91,000 Algerians in the Netherlands? Because I love learning about what the glory of the cross is doing among all the planet. And you know what? 90% of God's work is with the Charismatic and Pentecostals. It's a fact. You study what God's doing worldwide in missions. You study what's covering the globe. 90% of the fruit is Charismatic and Pentecostals. And 10% everybody else. I can't tell you the number of stories I've read that can prove that. Now, are there excesses? Yes. Are there problems? Yes. Please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit. Oh, America's Holy Spiritless. We need Him. We need His presence. We need His power. We need His fruit. We need His gifts. Read the book of Acts and look what God did to turn the world upside down where the Holy Spirit had His rightful place in the church. Today He's been pushed out and He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman, and he won't push his way in. He's waiting for leaders to learn how to be housekeepers and get out of control and let the Holy Spirit have his rightful place. How many times do I hear Pastor Bill say that? I'm nothing but a housekeeper. I'm nothing but an altar boy. I'm getting out of the way so the Holy Spirit can have charge in this church. Oh, Lord, the Holy Spirit is not in charge of hardly any church in America. We need Him. That's why we stay babies. I've got to press on to maturity, right? Grow up, Brian. How am I going to do that? I've got to practice the Word. How am I going to do that? I've got to learn how to what? Pray. But I've got to have the Holy Spirit. I've got to have his presence in his fullness. I pray Luke 11 verse 13 all the time myself. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and seek and knock? You have to want him, desire him, yearn for him, pray for him, cry out to God for him, get alone and seek him. You have got to have the Holy Spirit in fullness. You can't practice this word without the Holy Spirit's power. We have created a Holy Spiritless church in this country. Again, we've gone back. Let me even ask you, you know, the way I used to teach churches, you know, Philip, learn your Bible inside and out. This, this kid memorized Genesis 1 when he was three. <laughs> he could quote the whole chapter as a three-year-old. How could you do that, Philip? Learn the Bible. Learn your theology. Learn how to what? Think. You, know, you don't even need to pray. You don't even need the Holy Spirit. You got your Bible, your theology, and your intellect. Right? Right, Madeline? Got your Bible, Madeline, your theology, and your intellect. You don't need no Holy Spirit and certainly not pray. Wow. If we don't learn how to pray, and if we don't get the Holy Spirit in our life, we are never going to grow up. God is searching. Pentecost, he pulled out the Holy Spirit. You know, God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only son Jesus on a cross for you and me. We forget about the second gift that was just as great. The Holy Spirit's God too. And on Pentecost this time, it was God the Father and God the Son who so loved the world that they gave God the Holy Spirit to the church and poured him out. And we can have Holy Spirit fullness, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of prayer, right? How am I going to learn how to pray without the Holy Spirit? He is the spirit of prayer. 
Oh, Holy Spirit. I pray that all the time. I am crazy. That's why I have to get alone. You think I'm loud in here? You don't see me by myself somewhere. I have to find pacing places where I can cry out to God. Teach me to pray, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I want everything you have for me. I want all your gifts and all your fruit and all your power and all your love and anything in my life that's quenching, grieving, or resisting you. Show me and change me. I want more of you, more of you, more of you. Amen. Please. <laughs> Lord, please teach us to want the Holy Spirit. What a priceless prize. I love those things. I looked up every positive command in the scripture for the Holy Spirit and every negative command. And they're more positive ones than negative ones. To be born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, led by the Spirit and fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's six awesomes, right? And then to be born of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Holy Spirit, to live in the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, and to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the three negatives were to grieve Him, to quench Him, or to resist Him. PR number five, last of the five. They're so important. It's not surprising to me. I was so convicted myself as I read this. I said, Lord, I see why. <laughs> I see why pastors are not growing up and churches aren't growing up. Because we got to press on. Amen? We got to practice. Ain't a whole lot of pressing on, is there? Nope. Ain't a whole lot of practicing, is there? Nope. <laughs> Ain't a whole lot of prayer, is there? Nope. And a whole lot of the Holy Spirit's freedom to do what he wants. Nope. <laughs> Number five is another PR, and it's the promise. It's the promise of the gospel in all its beauty. I like trains. Any of y'all like trains? I do love trains. But you don't want to get off track. Now let me tell you what happens when you get off the promised gospel track. You know what track you get on? You get on the track that's all about your flesh. That's your self-effort. Working hard to be a good Christian. How are you working hard? You're working real hard to do the do's and don't the don'ts. You know what that's called? Law. And why are you doing that? Oh, Brian's flesh is working hard to be the best Christian he can. And he's trying to do the do's and don't the don'ts. And he thinks that if he does that, that God's going to reward him when he's good. And then when he's bad, whoop, hammer coming down. How'd you get on that track, Candace, <laughs> Sonia? How'd you get on that track of trying by your self-effort to do and don't, thinking God was going to bless you when you do it and not when you don't? We're not going to get on that track, are we, Joel? No, it's so hard to stay on the right track. What's the right track? Holy Spirit, faith, and gospel promises. By the Holy Spirit, through supernatural faith, you simply have the promise of the gospel. Isn't that simple? I just need the Holy Spirit. I need what? Faith. And then I need the promise of the gospel. What is that promise? You've heard me say it many times here. It's the promise of the cross, the promise of the resurrection, and the promise of the promises. What's the promise of the cross? The promise of the cross is that the cross of Jesus 2,000 years ago, Bob, has the power to execute everything in you that needs to die. Isn't that good news? And good news, Bob? Good news? That the cross of Jesus has the power to execute and crucify and put to death in you anything and everything that needs to die. Wow. When you plug into Jesus, you plug into cross power. And that cross power flows into you, fills you, and overflows you. And it executes Joel and crucifies anything and everything in you that needs to die, Joel. Die. You need to die daily, brother. You need to die all day, every day, brother. You need to die, die, die to self and flesh. Because when you die, guess who rises? Talk about the gospel. The gospel hooks into the cross. Brian dies. The gospel hooks into the resurrection. And what happens? Christ rises in me. Is that not awesome? I'm plugged into Jesus. And the things that are inside the soul of Jesus flow into me, fill me, and overflow me. Is that not awesome? To be plugged into resurrection 
and to literally have what's inside the soul of Jesus like in a hose flow into you and fill you and overflow you. That's the gospel. It's all about the cross and what? Resurrection. Let me tell you, Griffin, if you don't die, you can't rise. The more Griffin dies to Griffin, Christ will rise in you. We just don't know the gospel, do we? It's so simple, isn't it? It's the promise of the cross, the promise of the resurrection. What's the third one? The promise of the promises. It says that every single promise in this book is yes and amen in Jesus. Do you believe they're for you? See, that's the thing. I can't put them in Shay's soul. I can't believe a promise in this book for him. I can only believe it for who? Me. And when by faith I believe it, what happens to it? It actually comes alive in my soul and transforms me. That's why I outlined every single promise in this book in Carolina Blue. Best color in the world. You can't pick a better color. <laughs> I'm saying that after we lost. <laughs> promises, promises. Oh, they're so beautiful. The promise of the cross, the promise of the resurrection, and the promise of the promises is for anybody on this planet that wants to what? Believe. Wow. How do you grow up? Time to grow up. You got to press on. You got to press on. What else do you have to do? You got to practice it. Practice it. Practice it. How do you practice it? You learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. What do you need to be able to pray? The priceless prize. You need more of the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit. And how does that work? You need the promise of the gospel. So that gospel cross, gospel resurrection, and gospel promises are coming alive in you and changing you. Hallelujah. I want to just encourage you in closing. God the Father, for everyone in this room, you, Nancy, everyone, God wants to grow you up. You know, when, when I say it's time to grow up, it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? Especially when I tell you that it's hard to grow up. But what excites me is my Father wants to grow me up. Jesus wants to grow me up. The Holy Spirit wants to. So I believe I will grow up. Amen? Amen? So if you want to, you can grow up. It is time to grow up in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Father, I do pray that just very simply, that in the name of Jesus, that great, wonderful, powerful name we've been talking about, in Jesus' name, that we will grow up. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.